most painful yet rewarding experience I have ever had. Our son Russ was nonverbal for the first 11 years of his life. I wanted to do this topic for those of you experiencing the fear and uncertainty that follows an autism diagnosis. Everyone knows someone or has someone in their family on the autism spectrum. I'm joined by some of my leading ladies who are also raising a child with autism. Enjoy. Hey guys, it's your girl Basha and you know what's up. It's Tuesday, so it's time for the Ask Basha video podcast. Today we're discussing raising a child on the autism spectrum. I have faced many challenges in my life. Perhaps the greatest of them all is parenting a child with autism. Our son Russ was diagnosed with autism at the age of two years old. After his diagnosis, our lives changed forever. I wanted to do this topic for those of you experiencing the fear and uncertainty that comes that follows an autism diagnosis. Everyone knows someone who has in their family or friend who has a family member with autism. After 13 years of raising our son on the spectrum, I'm here to tell you that joy cometh in the morning. His speech is coming along nicely. He and I co-authored a book called Art Is My Voice, available on bashapowell.com and amazon.com. You know, this was inspired by me observing my son's form of communication before he had actual words. I've gotten many letters from a lot of people telling me that their kids are nonverbal, et cetera, et cetera. And they're frustrated, they're in pain. My journey was no different from yours. At one point, I thought it was worse. But I'm also joined today by some phenomenal queens who, some are parents who had a similar journey and they're here to tell you their story and their side. And I'm also joined by a clinical practitioner. I'll first introduce my first guest, my first commentator, sorry, Dr. Rhonda McCohen is in the building. Rhonda, Paula, Hospitalis, Leslie Ann Bailey. Welcome ladies. I would like to let you all know a little bit about these queens who are joining me. And I'll start with Dr. Rhonda McCohen. Dr. McCohen is a mother of two beautiful people. Her 17-year-old daughter is a music-loving and adventurous young woman on the autism spectrum. Dr. McCohen is, is a Canadian research chair or Canada research chair, sorry, in tactile interfaces, communication and cognition and is a professor of emerging media and communication. I'm sorry, Dr. McCohen, if I kind of messed up some of those things there, but not you know, at all. I am so sorry, but you'll fix it. So Dr. McCohen is the director of the Institute of Communication, Culture, Information and Technology at the University of Toronto, Mississauga. We're also joined by Paula Maria Hospitalis. She moved to Nassau, Bahamas from Trinidad and Tobago in 2007. She's a mother of two sons, age 16 and almost age 13. Her youngest son, Obasi, is on the autism spectrum and is functionally nonverbal. I like that term. Paula's professional background is in IT and project management. She works at Kalina Insurance Limited as the life operations business analyst, manager, and, reins and the reinsurance administration manager. She's based in Nassau, Bahamas. 
And last, but by no means least, we also welcome back Mrs. Leslie Ann Bailey. Leslie Ann Bailey is a Trinidadian American. She's an occupational therapist, entrepreneur, and a graduate from Howard University. Leslie Ann Bailey is based in Washington, DC. Ladies, welcome. Are you ready to inspire, connect, and motivate? Yes. Thank you. Yes. Let's go. Good to be here. <laughs> I am here to tell you that the greatest challenge of my life, as you all know, I'm a cancer thriver. I fought cancer and conquered that. And I still would not tell you that cancer is the greatest, a cancer diagnosis, sorry, is the greatest challenge of my life. The greatest challenge of my life to date is being the co-parent of a child with autism. Um, I want to ask you, I'm going to the parents first. I want to ask you both, what was your initial reaction to your child's autism diagnosis? Dr. Rhonda Benjamin McCowan. <laughs> Thanks, Marcia. I'm, I'm starting with you. Thanks so much. And thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be among such amazing companies today. It's wonderful. It's so I would delayed. say, mm -hmm. yeah, I would say that, you know, when you first hear that you don't get a definite diagnosis right away. So mm -hmm. there are always some signs, maybe there are some developmental steps or stages being missed. There's still a, you know, still a little bit of a question mark as to what you're seeing, especially if it's an earlier diagnosis, like it was in our case. So for mm -hmm. our daughter, she was about, you know, I would say between 10 and 12 months doing our usual pedi pediatrician visits. And, you know, it's just delayed on some of her milestones. So that starts to raise the early flag. And, you know, it, at that point, you're not thinking autism. Your brain doesn't go there right away. No. And, the, and the pediatricians are being careful. They don't want to scare you unnecessarily. So they may reference um, that maybe you need to see a specialist just to see what's happening and to make sure there's more we could do to help. And at that point, you know, you know what we're like. We were like type A. Yeah. We, yeah. And start to do some research. What could we need to fix it? <laughs> what can we do? And you know, then the word starts coming up in the searches, possibly autism, possibly other things. Um, and it really was with the confirmation of the developmental pediatrician who did the full diagnostics that the, the, the actual diagnosis of autism comes into play. At that point, though, remember it's still your baby. Um, what was your reaction? Yeah, I mean, our reaction was, I think, instantly, I wanted to know what are the next steps like that, that part of my managing emotionally probably is to have a plan. Um, and to try and figure out what, what should we do next. And my husband, in the meantime, had a much more, um, you know, first emotional open response to say, you know, he, this, he had sadness. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sad too, but let's get going here. Um, mm -hmm. And they, a lot of what we were reading was earlier intervention is important. And early, the earlier the intervention, the more you can maybe support the way the neurology is playing out. Maybe you can actually try and help. And so mm -hmm. one of our daughter's fundamental problems was walking. This oh. was one milestone that she struggled with. Now it's not typical um for someone on the spectrum to have mm -hmm. that kind of motor skill there might be some differentiation in the in the movement but not not walking mm -hmm. and yeah. so at first they said there could be something else they 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 wanted to look at other disorders that had mm -hmm. more of a mobility issue mm -hmm. so it wasn't until she was 
I would say, um, you know, 26 months that we finally centered on autism, but with a few other apraxia is what it's called. So a few other difficulties with movement um, mm. with it. So for her, she has what is called verbal apraxia, which means it's hard for her to coordinate the tongue and her, you know, her um, swallowing and breathing to coordinate to make sounds. Yeah. And make sounds, but the coordination in her neurology is very confused. And it also affected her, her mobility. Now we worked hard. Mm. And as I said, I was all for getting something done, even going yeah. through the pain and going through the disappointment and going through the, um, this is going to be a very different path for this child. And for me, um, mm -hmm. I never, I never wallowed. I never became depressed, although I know it's a very legitimate good uh, for you set yeah. of emotions to mm -hmm. experience. Um, and it, my job was to be her advocate and get her into the right from, day one. Yeah, mm -hmm. from day one. How about you, Paula Hospitalis? I mean, what was your initial well, reaction? Because mine certainly be was honest, not like Dr. McCowan's reaction. With Obasi, no, Obasi is my second child. And so mm -hmm. um, you, I had, and I think it might, might have been similar for you, Basha, is that. Mm -hmm. You know, you you do your compare and contrast. It's it's impossible. You know, they say all children are unique and all that, but you know what the milestones are. So for mm -hmm. Obasi, um, I think I had the unique situation of being the child of a speech therapist and having dealt with children on the spectrum and children with dyslexia in my mother's practice because yes. I was a little helper. Um, so I, I, I forgot about that. She yes. had these home offices on Saturdays. Yes. Yes. And so I had encountered quite a few children who were differently abled because of neurological issues. And so for me, I was noticing early on, like eight months, wow. nine months, ten months, I said, you know what? Wow. I have a feeling and you kind of want to stuff that down. Because yes. you don't want to think you said something's not right here. Something is not right. And then when I communicated it to the family, every you know, he's a cute baby, he's so sweet, and they think that it, you know, and it's a normal response in support of me. No, he's all right. He'll mm. be okay. He's just a little behind and he's just developing differently. And so for mm. me, um, when I compare Obasi and Masana, mm -hmm. Masana was slow to walk my older child, slow to walk, 15 months and he was still scooting around on his knees. Or when he got up to walk, he ran. Or <laughs> he was jumping forward at 10 months. He was yeah. climbing. He yeah. was very mm -hmm. physical. Mm -hmm. So we discovered, we took him, I had a different issue when I took him to the pediatricians and I said, could you test him for autism? And wow. they were like, well, why would you think that? Hmm. He, hmm. And they, they would say, you know, he has these number of words. And so he's okay. And, hmm. I, and so I had to, from the get-go, push. No, mm -hmm. I'm asking you, there's something not right. And then I, I found that he, I, I, I thought that he wasn't hearing, which he wasn't. And so we had to address that first. And then after that, you know, we went from specialist to specialist because it's a little bit challenging in my jurisdiction to find help. Mm -hmm. And so that's in me, that's in that's Nassau, Bahamas. In Nassau, in Bahamas, yeah. Bahamas. In the whole of the Bahamas, yeah. it's really challenging to find the resources that you need. And yeah. so early intervention was a thing that came to me as well. So I think Obasi was properly diagnosed by the time 
he was maybe 23, 24 months. Wow. As being on the autism yeah. spectrum. Um, what I think, you know, they're saying, but he's so social, you know. Yeah. And, yeah, but. <laughs> I didn't know so that. Had to, I had to advocate for him, for him from early and that kind of led me into the work with the organization I, I, I volunteer for here in the Bahamas, mm -hmm. um, which is a parent-led advocacy group and educational group. And we just support all the families with autism to try to get um, amazing resources in place. Yeah, and amazing. As, as I, I think in conversations I had with Rhonda McEwen, because we're friends, you know, yeah. I, I was like, man, my mother was a speech therapist and now I can't find a speech therapist. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I did not want parents coming after me to have to be on that road of not knowing what's next. Yeah. Because there's a lot of denial that happens oh. just as a parent and as a family. But you also need some people to be real with you. Mm -hmm. and, and to, to, to stand with you and so that you can appreciate you're not on this road alone mm -hmm. and there is help and Correct. you know so that we can as a community we can help each other and as I said at the top of the broadcast I'm here to tell parents that joy cometh in the morning um, and, and, and there's a reason why I, I, I said that there's a reason why I feel that um, before I go on to uh, clinical practitioner on, on our commentary panel, um, Leslie Ann Bailey. I mean, I, I would need to talk as a parent because I'm so impressed by your the both of your approaches. Um, I, you all have known me forever. Let's, let's be transparent. And I've always been that go-getter. I'm gonna do this, I'm a badass, I, da, 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 da. I totally fell apart, totally. This is one time I was outside of my jurisdiction. I was outside of my body. I was, you know, bearing in mind, our son was diagnosed um, a year after I recovered from breast cancer. I was not trying to look at milestones. I was trying to survive. I was trying to survive so that God would save my life to be there for my children. So when I saw, and, and I, and I blame myself for a very long time. I mean, I'm not somebody to ever go into victim mode and I went, you know? And so when I saw that this wasn't right, the speech therapist hinted, even before we got on a plane, at the time we were living in Trinidad and Tobago, she hinted that that might be the situation. And from that hint, I broke down. Mm. My husband, on the other hand, broke down when he got the the, the um, formal evaluation at the Dan Marino Center in Miami. Fast forward, there's so many things I could tell you, but I understand what you're saying. But I, you know what struck me, and I go as I go to Leslie and Bailey, what, I, what struck me um, is that a lot of parents I met on the journey, they refused, they rejected the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. it's, so is this common? Leslie and Bailey, I mean, in your practice, you'll find mm -hmm. parents who they is like they like how I fell apart and I I became a victim for a few weeks, potentially mm -hmm. a year. <laughs> um, I've met parents who's like, no, 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 they will give you different terms for that. You know, mm -hmm. what's your feedback on that? So, in in my practice, there are a couple of these disability classifications that parents have a very challenging time with. Mm -hmm. And autism, autism spectrum disorders is definitely one of them. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, so at a table when we're meeting as a, you know, as a team to support a parent, we're very, you know, we're honest, but we're also empathetic in our approach. Mm-hmm. We're, you know, we're reassuring. We're not just there to, you know, to give a diagnosis or, you know, or, or explain what's happening. We're also there to to give answers as to what we could possibly do to help in the mm-hmm. journey and to support this this child along the way. Um, so for me, I see ability. So I'm really almost like the outlier. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys do as well. But mm-hmm. for the most part, I, I, disability is just so difficult for me to really, you know, as a concept, to, to see when it comes to children or even adults. So, you know, we automatically go into a mode of, okay, what are we gonna do to work this thing out? We know we can't fix it, but we can, there, there are ways we can help make things better. And, mm-hmm. you know, honestly, the, the children I've worked with who have autism are just so very special to me. I've learned so much from them myself, just mm-hmm. in terms of just how I should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm not exactly a very structured person. Um, I, I don't, you know, I have with learned. them, you get structure. Oh, yes. you, yeah. And, you know, and, and a little bit of structure is pretty good, actually. You know, yeah. we, we want to have that balance. We don't want to be overstructured or, you know, mm-hmm. to be so fixated on things that, you know, they can't, they become stuck. I like yeah. being stuck. Um, but for the most part, you know, I, I just have seen, I've seen the, you know, just the growth with a lot of the students I've worked with. And, you know, I, I just think it's it's not a, a disability that just should, should make you just fall apart as a parent because it's as you said, you know, there's there's these rewards that, that come later on and you know mm-hmm. there's this life after autism. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's good to hear, you know, your stories and it's so great that you're sharing this. It's a big deal. So this is this this is a passion platform for me. And I know that it's a, a passion project for both Dr. McCohen and for Paula Hospitalis. Um, but I want to just say this because I know there are many people listening and a lot of people follow my platform because of how vulnerable my husband and I have been um, with our child. And, and we want the same for everybody else. I mean, I want to just tell you about the, the moment I left, I put my brokenness aside. Because most people, I remember um, a colleague calling my husband just a few weeks ago. This person is from an Asian country. And because of my husband's career, he, it's public knowledge that he has a child with autism, autism. And he was able to help that guy because this man was just falling apart. He had just gotten the diagnosis. And, you know, sometimes God puts you in a position because he wants you to help others, right? And... I remember after being broken for an extended period of time, and I recognized that that brokenness was because of my my ignorance, my lack of knowledge. I wasn't, and I think for, I think Dr. McCohen um, alluded to the fact that she, okay, well, she sort of put herself in a mental position too. So I was delayed with that approach. But even before I got to that approach, which is where I am today, I took one step before that. I, one day I simply acknowledged that I don't have all the answers and I'm going to lead with love and not my pain. It was as simple as that because I say that for the parents who are not in your position, in all, all of our positions, and you simply would not be able to be mentally and clinically equipped to deal with something that feels so devastating. I'm here to tell you, I would, on this commentary panel, I was just like you, regardless of how decorated my my um, wall is and et cetera, et cetera, the knowledge I had in 
media or whatever else, none of that made sense at the time. I was completely broken. And one day I simply acknowledged that I don't have the answers and that I was just gonna lead with love. My, my point is everybody responds to receiving unconditional love. And one of the things that I discovered on this journey is that God did not tell you how he will package your greatness. Greatness appears on earth in many forms. And many of us have little geniuses on our hands who just happen to be on the autism spectrum. And I have one of them. So we are busy trying to make them into the humans that they are not. But if you were to flip it, look at it for what it is and say, okay, let's see what we have here. And the first step is to discover the genius in them and feed that. Yeah. If I say nothing else today, yeah. that's what, that sums up my entire journey. I want to ask, um, I want to go to Dr. McCoon and ask her if it was easier. And because you both have two children, mm -hmm. one on the spectrum, one is not on the spectrum. Right. I know my answers because I have two children too. We're so right. alike, right? Um, is it easier for you and your husband to raise your other child who's considered to be mainstream versus your child on the spectrum? Is it easier? Wow. Mm -hmm. So, the, so, and just as, as I start there, Basha, I wanted to connect to something you were saying. Mm -hmm. um, as a researcher, as a person with a PhD, whose mm -hmm. my life was researching emerging technology. Mm -hmm. Once we realized that my daughter's on the spectrum, and as I dealt with all that came with that diagnosis, mm -hmm. one of the steps I said was, what can I bring and give to the, not just my daughter, but to That's all right. children? And so yes. I, I redirected my research into mm -hmm. this area Excellent. to look at technology and how technology could be supportive. Um, mm -hmm. my, I was one of the first people to study uh -huh. children with autism using touch screens and so um and 60 minutes did um two that's correct i remember yeah, that i remember that correct yeah yes. so what i will say is what is easy right so yeah. my research was tripping along easily mm -hmm. um here comes my daughter with her diagnosis i pivot my research to in support of her and all other children um, on the spectrum which made my research easier. Easy. Oh. It made mothering her easier Easy. for me too. Awesome. And and for my son, who is not on the spectrum, um, what I can say is like every other family I see, even those that don't have children with um, differing abilities, I can see that every child is their own person. And yeah. once you come at it that way, actually, often we hear ourselves saying, which is not something parents should be saying, but we yes. hear ourselves saying, She's so much easier in so many ways. <laughs> it's the same. Right? It's like, we know what we have. We know what she, her, her joy is so genuine and unstoppable. Never complain. When she's happy, she's happy. When she's complaining, she lets you know. But it's a set of things that we can try and make easier for her. Wow. For our son, who is now 13, because she's 17, he's 13. Holy smokies, we're dealing with adolescent males, <laughs> uh -huh. right? We're dealing with a whole other set of things that she is not bringing to the table. Yeah. I also see my um, friends with 17-year-old daughters, and I and I, I know I'm not dealing and with 17 year old sons. <laughs> right? Yes. So, you know, we're missing some of that. So in that way, I think they're just different children. 
Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and she has not, you know, having a ch- my daughter has not made our life more difficult at all. We, there were times and there are things that are more difficult, but I don't think there are things and times that are not more difficult for other families. I'm happy to hear that. And, I'm, and I want somebody listening now who may have gotten a diagnosis last week, the week before this year. This is the hardest part. This is this is your teenager. <laughs> Let's put it this way. Um, but it gets better. But let me go on to Paula Hospitals. Would you say that mainstream versus spectrum? Which one is easier? Is there? You an know, one? I wouldn't say that there's easier. It's different. There's a, there are different sets of skills that I have mm-hmm. to use with Obasi that mm-hmm. for a 16 year old Madonna at this point. And yeah. So for me. I think there are skills that I added to my parenting toolbox mm-hmm. and advocacy <laughs> is number one on that right. in, in that toolbox and just an abundance of patience mm-hmm. because I, I am an A type. So I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. let's just do this. Let's just get I it. Think all of us are. Steps. And when you're in a situation where you can't get to step two on your schedule. Yeah it takes a different it takes a different approach and you need i just needed to figure myself out and to figure out the family because to be honest i know um you mentioned and um bashi you mentioned and Rhonda, you mentioned as well the mm-hmm. husbands so mm-hmm. i had a late adopting husband in terms mm-hmm. of acceptance of the diagnosis because i was going there second son and yes. so for me it was the ability to speak for him mm. and to make sure, yes, I appreciate how you feel, but this <laughs> is what he needs. Wow. And sometimes that takes a toll on you physically. Yes. Sometimes and on your marriage as well. On you emotionally, it takes a toll. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, some of the advocacy skills that I learned dealing with Obasi, I've had to use with Masana. Mm-hmm. Just making sure that he gets what he needs because mm-hmm. it's not something I would have thought about before. So you're going to mm-hmm. just say, listen to me, who can I speak to about mm-hmm. this issue? And it makes you a badass mom. <laughs> ordinarily, you just take it in like, okay, that's, that's, that's what Yeah, no, 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 you're so different think, level. I, and so I think what Obasi has given me is a little bit of focus with mm-hmm. trying to make everybody else's path easier. So, I mean, I can tell you stories when Basi was ready for preschool. Mm-hmm. There were zero preschools in the Commonwealth of the Bahamas oh, that dealt with children on the spectrum. And mm. so I took him to the same private school that Masana went to. And I said, what do y'all need to parent, to teach my child? Mm-hmm. And I brought in people from the States to train the teachers mm. to teach my child. They don't know who they're dealing with. <laughs> Listen, he has, and I said, they said, but he's never going to get the, the academics. I said, well, he's not here for the academics. He's here for the mm-hmm. social skills. He's here to figure out how to wait in line. How Life skills. Mm-hmm. All so, directions. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what we did. And I, it, it's a fight. At the, mm-hmm. And now I'm telling you, his preschool now is one of the number one recommended integrated classrooms for, <sighs> For preschoolers later. Paula Hospitalis, I'm so proud of you. Okay, you rock. I'm proud of all of y'all. But when you see, and, and so there's a sadness there. I have to be honest. 
be honest because we're being yes. honest on this on this platform. We're being vulnerable. Let me keep it real. There's mm-hmm. a sadness there because mm-hmm. when I go into the school now and see what's available, yeah, versus what my baby got, yeah, and I think about you know you would deal with early intervention is a real thing, and so yeah. he did not have the benefit that other people are having, and so there is it is bittersweet, but you see yeah, children, but, just but God used you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. God so, use you, and 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 He'll make it up. You know, there's so much more to come. Definitely. The world is changing, and 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 that's one of the things that I wanted to to ask Leslie and Bailey about because apart, my husband and I, we had to shut down. We had a phenomenal life in the Caribbean. Party was over when this diagnosis came. We moved to America in record seconds. I gave up my entire, okay, newsflash, for those of y'all who didn't know, I gave up my entire career for my child. Mm-hmm. I was speeding. Everything I worked hard for to get to the top, I had to leave it in 10 seconds and start all over. So when I tell you joy comes in the morning, mm-hmm. we wouldn't be sitting here doing this broadcast if it were not for my child. There would be no Ricardo Paul Cricket Academy in the United States of America if it were not for my child. We felt as though we lost everything, but in the process, we got so much more. Won't you do it? I um, I wanna come back to something that Paula Hospitalis said, We want because I'm gonna touch on the marriages, but I also wanna pivot and go to Leslie and Bailey because resources. I don't want to, I don't want this broadcast to end. We're, we're not ready to wrap up yet. We're gonna go a little longer today, people, because this is too important. But I don't want this to end before we, one of the things I discovered upon coming to America, <laughs> something like Eddie Murphy, but one of the things I discovered um, over the past few years, a lot has changed because of digital media. And we want people to know, just as Paula Hospitalis did in the Bahamas, to bring people in. Um, we want people to know that resources are available, even online. Zoom is a thing, people. Skype is a thing. And we want therapists and others to, to, to please remember to, to reach out to third world countries and countries where they, they don't have all the resources, but these geniuses are waiting and, and it, could, it could be done. Parents need to think outside of the box, like, like Paula Hospitalis did and I did, and, and put your pain aside. Because when you do that, that's when the magic happens. So, Leslie and Betty, what are some of the resources? How can parents think outside of the box to, to access online virtual services? Because that's the thing now. COVID showed us. People going to have people going to have on, on the iPad. So Yeah. Yeah, you know, telehealth wasn't wasn't necessarily something that was new. Um, mm-hmm. it was just really accessed mostly by people in rural areas who didn't have the direct access for therapy or for any type of intervention. And you know, yes, the pandemic has really now opened it up to so many people, and we can really reach out and touch and and, and help yeah. families in such a significant way right now, um, more than ever. You know, using technology. Um, you know, I I'm I'm so interested in understanding exactly what Dr. McEwen's um, studies were incorporating assistive technology. You know, it to mm-hmm. me, it's it's such an integral part of the learning process. It, for the for the stu- for students or how can we get this to the Caribbean system. governments? How can we get it to Caribbean governments? Because so, families are suffering with, with yeah. kids with, because of lack of resources. And we have all this here. We have people who are ready to go. 
Like, well, yeah, and, and certainly true. There, you know, there's some colleagues of mine who are, you know, of Caribbean heritage that have gotten together, and mm -hmm. you know, they go around the Caribbean teaching, going to the school systems and helping. So there's a psychologist on the team, a speech language pathologist, a physical therapist, um, uh, the occupational therapist is also an assistive technologist. So it's you know, they're able to bring resources there and and reach out and and just help these you know, schools and these institutions so that they're able to, to really provide the best services for students. Um, their autism, in particular, students with autism. Yeah, I, I want to, to remind parents, and this is what I've heard, this is a central theme from the parents on our commentary panel, that we have to be the best advocates for our kids. Mm -hmm. You may say, but I don't have no money. Da, da, da. This has nothing to do with money. This has to do with determination, correct ladies? Determination. Correct. Not accepting no for an answer. Le creating your own, um, your own platform, create your own table, go to your minister of education, get yes. signatures, you pressure them, break the doors down and demand that they, because it's not just your child you're doing it for. Mm. You're doing it for people with, with, with literally no voices. You, 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 there's so many people who, I, and I wanna, I wanna give you the best example. So you know how um, homeschooling has become such a thing right now? Mm -hmm. Prior, and, and the person who can attest to this the most is, is our occupational therapist and our commentary panel, Leslie and Bailey. Prior to um, COVID forcing children to go home and learn, my husband and I, being our son's biggest advocate, advocates, sorry, decided to take the decision to homeschool our son before the pandemic. We did not see a pandemic coming. If we did, I would have called up all of y'all and say, hey, <laughs> buy some toilet paper, <laughs> get some hand towel. It's about to go down. This had nothing to do with a pandemic. It had to do with us understanding our child. So this is the next thing I want to talk about because every child on the spectrum is different. And sometimes you can have the best therapists, the best teachers. They're not going to know your child like you know your child. Right. And our son has benefited from the best in the system. However, he had gotten to a point where we started getting some words. But our son, I, I need to go through this without being emotional because this is the only thing that gets me emotional really but our son had gotten to a point last year this time where i felt this this dude should be reading if he could say five words he could read that was just my mom power my, nobody could have taken that intuition from me last year this time may 2020 our son wasn't reading and that bothered me and i sat my husband down one day and i said hey babes I want to do something. It, it may not be the norm, but this is what I believe in my gut. He said, he said, honey, that's what you believe? I said, yeah. I said, let's take him out of school. Let's do homeschooling where we could be with him as he's navigating. So, so he said, because what I realize is that I can identify what he's missing. And then I could give it to him. This is May 2021, the boys reading, but I want to tell everybody listening and visual, you know what, what got our son outside of that decision? What I used to start our son reading, you want to make a guess? 
Leslie and Bailey, I don't think you know. So if you I do, don't answer. I won't. <laughs> no. What, what we all use. Nelson, West Indian reader. Mm -hmm. What we all use. I don't plug brands on my show like that. I get paid to plug brands. So when I lift up a brand that I'm not getting paid for, you better run and buy it. Oh, and it is available on Amazon because my sister, my cousin-in-law, whose child is not on the spectrum, when I told her that, she ran and bought it. This is what I started our son off by taking a decision to homeschool him. It was not an easy decision because teachers are not paid enough. But I started here and I started with realistic expectations. Yes. This. I told myself, if I could get him to read this, he will be able to read. Today, the boy is pronouncing 12-digit words. This is a child who was nonverbal for the first 11 and a half or 11 years of his life. I am, a, I am a believer. If you can get three to five words, you can get plenty words. It's just the approach. You have to know your child. And we also went a step further. We said, you know what? We're going to take this child under our wings. And we, we really share the responsibility. I'm aware that not every parent can do it because people have different jobs. I'm aware of that. But sometimes some parents hire learning coaches. In the home school that our son goes to, you can hire a learning coach who you pay to shadow your child. I took this decision after fighting for my child's education in the mainstream system. They were trying to mainstream him. I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to feed him what he needs. And I kept begging for art as a subject for my son. I kept begging. I would go to the meetings, the EP, the, um, EP, what do you call it? Um, IEP. IEP. I, I, I lost me for a minute. I've been to so many. You think I know it. I'd go to the IEP meetings and I would be like, I'm really just here to talk to the, the speech therapist and the art teacher, you know. They would think I'm crazy, but I want to hear about nothing else. Right? Once the boy can count and read and... That was my approach. I was being a little thing. We took a decision. Hey, we need to move from here. This neighborhood, this ain't helping him. I need to move to a city. I need to prepare my child for life. This is learning. I need him. By being homeschooled, he can travel everywhere in the world with his father and I. As you know, my husband's career, he has to travel a lot. That gives him, it broadens his horizon. I realized when he travels, he loves it. He loves to go out and dress up and he likes to go to fine dining restaurant. And now we're talking about a luxurious life, but I mean, it's my fault. But this is what he likes. That's what the child likes. And we're like, we need to move to a city so he will know what it is to walk to a restaurant, walk to a shop so he can, because when, when after all is said and done and we're not here, I need to prepare him. I had a different approach. I'm not saying that you all have to have my approach, but it has worked for my child. Yeah, I'm getting some sort of feedback. And I don't know what you all think about it. This helped. Yeah. I moved to the city. He's traveling. I talk to him like he's anybody else. Whether he responds the same way or not, eventually he started to do it. One day I looked at him and I looked at my biggest son who's not on the spectrum. And I said, you know what, RJ? I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to talk to your brother the same way. I talked to you and he, he felt, I mean, he carried the burden as well emotionally. Yeah. We, yes. we don't think about it. The ones who want, oh, how much it's because it's a family thing. We, we, we all 
fightingness. I don't want to use the word fight, but in the early stages, it felt like a fight together. It's a struggle. It's a struggle. And that's why it's important for us to come out and talk and help each other. And it did the trick. It's a different yeah. young man today. Different. Okay. Just taking that decision. I don't know who this is going to help, but every child cannot stay in the classroom. Dr. McCorran, I'm telling you, this boy is a different person. And that's I when I, I, he started talking to us through his arts, which is why mm -hmm. we, we wrote the book together because it's my writing, obviously, but his art, we wrote, he just started talking. And I was like, this is how you're talking to us. He would draw what, what he was feeling. And art became his voice. And I was like, okay, so you're going to be an artist. I'm just going to make lemonade with the lemons I had. But a genius in the making, we all have. But we have and to know. May, to and, they, and we may not have ever known about his talent if you hadn't. You know what I mean? Because we would have been doing sports. We would have been doing music. We would have been doing all the other things, plus academics, plus this, plus that. And then the stuff falls through. But so funny you use the Nelson Reader. I use that with our son, not for our daughter. And it's because he had dyslexia. He has dyslexia. And I started with that when mm -hmm. I realized his reading was non-form. And it did. It, you're right. Uh, it actually worked miracles with him. So now he's like, you know, well yeah. past but this it, it this was like a mother's instinct. I was yeah, like, same thing. Yeah, we go back to our roots, right? Basha, that's what we did. You go that's back right. So roots. then people are probably looking at Basha and her family yeah. and others and seeing, well, th that happened for them because they had money. I went to this. It sells yeah. mm -hmm. in all Caribbean bookstores. My husband started reading on this and he's from Jamaica. I'm right. from Trinidad and Tobago. This is what we started reading on. I have it upside down. This is what we started reading on. As simple yeah. as that. So sometimes so if you put your pain aside, lead with love, become practical, boom, voila. You feel me? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, we, we're running out of time, but we need to cover some other stuff. And I wanted to go back to something that Paula Hospitalis spoke about. And, and, and I know that there are people out there who need to hear this as well, because I know so many people that autism, they allowed autism, an, an autism diagnosis to wreck their marriages. One person or the other just couldn't take it and marriage fell apart. So there are a lot of single parenting going on yes. with, with kids on the spectrum, which is very painful because you're dealing with the loss of your marriage, lack of support, and you're also dealing with, what do I do with this child? It's, it's not the easiest thing. I remember when when our son was diagnosed, I was that parent. Like how you talked about your husband being slow to the party. I was the one slow to the party. I was in my feelings. I, as I said, if I can't fix something, then I can't rationalize the experience. I have to be able to have a solution based on my personality. And for a long time, I had the wrong approach. My approach didn't lead to my, thankfully, clearly, I had a solid marriage because we were just coming out of breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And I have to credit my husband with a lot because he took the brunt of the both of them. Because in, 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 in the autism, he realized that this is what I'm dealing with, this is right. He took it on to protect me, which wasn't necessarily fair to him. It didn't affect my marriage at all. I just, to be honest, I don't know how come. Maybe because of him. But um, I could see how it can affect marriages. You know, but Basha, do you think it actually made your marriage stronger? Of course. That's what I was thinking. Of course. Both things. I mean, most people have one to deal with. Right. <laughs> Mine was back to back. I was like, God, this is not easy. 
And yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah. But it it if it doesn't make your marriage stronger, it falls apart. It's like well, the pandemic. Um, yeah, the, but the statistics are are very disheartening, right? It's disheartening. Very so yeah, what what do we say to parents who, you know, um they're not getting it together because yeah. they they need to realize that this is just a little part of the of the process. Things normally smooth itself out and you know. I think um we have monthly parent support meetings. Mm -hmm. and usually when a young couple comes in with a fresh diagnosis, you see the struggle between the parents. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes after, you know, you need to talk with them and say, you're angry, yeah. not with each other. Yeah. You're angry with this situation. And so just, it, it, there has to be a change of reference. Yeah. You know, there is going to be a parent that takes a while, but once that parent gets on board, yeah, they are all I, on board. All on board. And, I, and, and well, it's, putting, yeah. it's misplaced. There's, there's often a misplaced pain mm -hmm. because there's nowhere to put it. You can't put it on the child. That's right. That's you right. You can't eat it. Mm -hmm. And so you put it to the other adult in, in, in the relationship. And so yeah. I see that real. Yeah. Yeah, I see that a lot, and I think it's it, it's um one of the things I I I often tell parents find another family, even within mm -hmm. our group, who has a child who is yeah. similarly placed. Because as you rightly said, Basha, we have children of different abilities. Yeah. You know, the children. Every child is different on the spectrum. Every child, but you want you want another family. Not necessarily that the children have to be on the same age, you know, but the same trajectory. So the people, yeah, say, you know what I did. Yeah. You know what helped us? Yes. So that so that there is a community because what I have found is that the diagnosis is very um, it's very isolating. Oh, for mm. real. Very isolating. For real. Um, because I think when Obasi was in preschool, he got invited to one party. Yeah. Yeah. Because they didn't want they didn't know what to do with this kid. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's a wow. finding your community. Yeah. For me, that's a key. Yeah. And I I, I want to just add. So, sorry, sorry. Um, Leslie and Billy, I just want to add one thing as um on marriage. Mm -hmm. I will say it's not always going to be a positive end there. Yeah. Like I, you know, it has been a positive for for us here on this call. Thank God. But there are many of you listening who it is not going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And you know what, what Paul Hospitalis is saying there about find your broader community for that support, especially if the marriage does not work out. Yes. Um, because correct. there are other issues in the marriage. It may not have worked out anyway. Anyway, right? yeah. Um, so I think part of that is uh, we created a second set of family, uh, if, yeah. if you want, and that they were made up of people like Leslie and Bailey who mm -hmm. were our support network, who had expertise mm -hmm. to help us understand mm -hmm. what was good for our daughter. Yeah. Um, some of our therapists who became, I, I mean, to this day, um, yeah. caregivers who became part of our close-knit family who understood yeah. um, our child and loved them without any reservation or fear of messing it up or yes. getting it wrong or creating harm. And so I think you know that that can be an important thing especially if you end up going through it on your own yeah 
one, one, one quick tip I'd like to add for people who want to make it work. Um, I remember back in the day, because um, this is several years ago, because our son is now, he's turning 13 shortly. But my husband and I, we would date at lunchtime. We would go on a lunchtime date because, it, you know, it was difficult to always have a caregiver if, if because we had full-time help at time, but I have to go home on a weekend. We prioritize our relationship in the midst of all of that. And even if it meant going on a lunchtime date, another thing that is a joke to this day, I don't know, and, and this leads into my next question for Dr. McCohen and um, Paula Hospitalis. Like, how has it changed you? I have become more patient, more contented, and grateful. But let me give very a play with the patient. I have become very patient. Like, I, where people will cuss and carry on about being in a line, like going to the driver's license office or something. My husband and I, that was like a date for us. We used to be like so excited to not have to go back home real quick. <laughs> we would enjoy traffic. We would enjoy being in a line. This is not a joke. It's a very odd thing to be able to find out about yourself. But it's our joke to this day that even though we, we, we don't have that issue anymore with the child's development, we still don't complain about being in traffic online. And it comes mm -hmm. from that experience. How, how has it changed your life and your husband's life for the hospital? It's in a quick line. Don't mean to rush you guys away. Where are you? I think it has helped us to appreciate the small things. Mm -hmm. So whereas, you know, families will be talking about the age that the child has gotten and that kind of thing, you can't, you can't always have that same, the same types of things to be excited about. So mm -hmm. we had a hard time with potty training. So when that got on board, it was potty training party. So, you know, there, there are things that- What, what age was he potty trained? 11. Eight years yeah. old over here, okay? Eight yeah. years old. So, so, yeah, so we celebrate, we celebrate the small things. Um, and so very quickly during the pandemic, we had regressions. And yeah. so we had bedwetting. So for instance, yeah. this morning he got up he took himself to the bathroom and he came out and there was a big party. He's like, yes. what? Yes. 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 There's a joy there because yes. he reacts to the joy. Yeah. And he has this face of full of pride. Like, yes. Oh, yes. yes. uh, I can so feel that. Yes. The line in our house, because he repeats what you said, and this is his thing now. You did a great job. You did a great job, son. You did a great <laughs> Great. So, so that's I think, the line. I think you did a great job. Is it for us. So tell him, Rossi says, you did a great job, great Rossi. Job. Great job. <laughs> I love it. I love it. For us, it's been, for me, how it's changed me, I would say, um, I've, we, you, you don't have the same sort of expectations. And I, I don't, you know, we, we come into parenting, I don't know why, but you bring it, bring into that, really, yeah. that relationship a whole bunch of things. And there are things that one by one I let go and when they made my peace with that, yeah. right? Like, so will I ever walk her down the aisle, right? With my husband? Probably not. Yeah, with my son, right? I told yeah. her that. She is so gorgeous. Like, she is reserved for Ross Powell. You don't worry. We're going to talk about that all okay, night. But I'll just say she has met Obasi before, a couple of times. Nah, people. Obasi, I have somebody else for Obasi. Obasi is a character. <laughs> <laughs> I know. 
<laughs> so I will say, you know, there are things that, you know, she's not going to, I don't have, I no longer put, she might, who knows? She might, you don't know. Never know. Like, yeah. But I'm no longer putting that on her. Like that is, that's ours, yeah. that's ours to deal with. Yeah. And so instead, every day, take one step at a time, mm -hmm. celebrate the, the, the small and the big moments and um, really notice every progression every yeah. little thing we notice it acknowledge it and you did a great it. job a great you job you did a great job, <laughs> a great job. <laughs> well done and, and she's all about this piano is a piano nice she's and she loves music so that's her yeah, thing that's her thing you know so and she and she's not likely to read because of the apraxia um, yeah. that comes with her she's not just on the spectrum because she has apraxia but you should see this girl communicate on a ta on a tablet like yeah phenomenal so every so they, you know she came it, with her additional gift in another area overloaded right. in another area and then you know right. yeah. yeah but that and so that, so you change you do change um you communicate have to communicate better i've become mm -hmm. a much better communicator using yeah. not just verbal but all the non because communication people. is not only words and that's right that's what yes. i learned that's what i learned art is my voice yeah that's music right. is her voice you that's know right. so that's the thing um as we're about to wrap up I just want to remind everybody that's the reason that we created this platform for women, mm -hmm. for queens. You know, in case you don't realize, these women are all over the world. Paula Hospitalis, where are you at? Nassau, Bahamas, baby. Dr. Rhonda McCarran, where are you at? Toronto. <laughs> Leslie and Bailey, where are you at? I'm in Washington, D.C. And your girl is in the A, otherwise known as Atlanta, honey. Yes. So that's what we're saying. Global, you know? You don't yes. know who you're going to meet on a given week, but all you, all you need to know is that they're going to be fabulous. You feel okay. me? Global. Let me just say one more thing. I just mm -hmm. want I appreciate the communities that you guys have built mm -hmm. with other parents who have children who are, who are de definitely developing differently and mm -hmm. very, very special. I think that's such a big deal. Um, I know here in the U.S., you know, um, we reach out to autismspeaks.org for resources. I'm sure that, you know, on a worldwide platform, you can get resources there as well. Yes. But there's no better resource than a parent who has a, a wonderful special child mm -hmm. who and you, and you can have the experiences, you know, that you can learn from that parent and you guys can share your information and you can share your, you know, the, those praise mm -hmm. reports. The, you know yeah. you know you did it and you know you did a good job you did a great <laughs> job you can share those with each other the community to me is one of the best resources and that is coming from the practitioner yes what do you want more than that just want to just want you all to remind everybody where they can follow you on your favorite social platform we start with dr McCowan. i'm mostly on twitter so it's mm -hmm. um at ronda McEwen. okay paula hospitalis so I'm on Instagram at Hospitech. Yeah, and you're going to see that in our article that is associated with this broadcast. I'm not sure if Leslie and Bailey wants to drop a social. <laughs> I am eyebrow72 on Instagram. Okay, dude. So ladies, thank you for joining me. You know, this this is the reason we created the pod, this podcast. Um, you know, as women, we have an obligation to support each other, to lift each other up, you know, instead instead of tearing each other apart based on race, color, and class. Despite our differences or accomplishments, you know, every now and then life throws us a curveball and we have to figure things out. You know, there's no manual for everything we go through in life. 
We can only rely on the three Fs, which is faith, family, and friends to see us through. At the end of the day, we're all human beings trying to figure out this puzzle called life. We will go, all go through something or the other, but it is to present, you know, when it, when it presents itself, it's to remind us that we are indeed human, you know? Um, raising a child with autism is not the easiest thing to do, as you can see. It's no easy feat. I began to heal after I came to terms with the fact that our son did not need to change. I needed to change to meet his needs. If you hear nothing else from this broadcast, I think we've all said it in different ways. It was not easy. However, it became easier once I surrendered and decided to see this journey as an opportunity to grow and learn. If you're raising a child in the early stages of autism, we are here to give you hope and to tell you joy cometh in the morning. Most of us, and I should say most of all, if you see another woman struggling, remember to help her up. We all need to be careful about what we say about one another because it takes one to know one. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. It's your girl, Basha. I'll see you guys next time. We'll be back. And remember, you did a great job, son. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>